Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome. It is a glorious, actually, a rainy, crappy Friday. You know, I got to get right into this. I I'm so tired. I think a lot of us are. But I'm so tired of not in our government. I don't care what you do in basketball announcing or I don't care what you do in, you know, football announcing or whatever. I, I could care less. But you know what? In our government, in times of, what's the right way to put it? <laughs> When these things affect all of us, government hirings, Pete Buttigieg being hired, that kind of thing, diversity hiring sucks. Like, I get it. You sit there and you say, hey, look at our cabinet is all women and all Serbians and all white guys and all Polish and blah, 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 blah. Dylan, I'm actually ready for uh, Ryan to let me in. I, fine. Great. I love it. Yay, Rob. But when it affects all of us, and I talked about this with Pete Buttigieg. I talked about, well, Pete Buttigieg is our transportation secretary, and Pete Buttigieg knows about as much about transportation as I do, and it has been a colossal failure. I'm on the, I'm on the Zoom now. It's been a colossal failure, total, complete failure. Every area of his job has been a failure. But it, it's worse. So here we go. There's a guy named Phil... Washington. Phil Washington is trying to become the head of the of Federal Aviation Association, the FAA. He's trying to become the head. Now, Phil, well, let me just do this, shall I? Can I just give you, excuse me, can I just give you the video of this clown who has no idea, none, about airplanes other than, well, I'm not a pilot. You, you got to hear this guy. This guy wants to be an administrator, head of the FAA in the Biden uh, administration. And just tell me this isn't the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Go ahead. Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's OK. We'll just keep going. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty important part. So what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay, so what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med? Senator, I'm not a pilot, so... Uh, but uh, obviously you'd ever see the F Federal Aviation Administration, so um, any, any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med, quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions, I think, would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be... Uh, it, it's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds yeah. in different categories, and uh, what, ele what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under. So, and, uh, and then the uh, amount of knots, it's under 250 knots. So okay. it's not having, having anything to do with blood pressure. So can you tell me what causes an aircraft to spin or to stall? Uh, again, Senator, I'm not a pilot. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going. What are the three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process? Quickly, please. 
three aircraft certifications. <laughs> uh, again, uh, what I would say to that is that one of my first priorities would be to fully implement that Certification Act uh, and report You know the three types, uh, Mr. Washington? The, the three no. types? Okay. Yeah, that's type certificate, production certificate, and airworthiness certificate. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let's just keep going, see if we can uh, um, get lucky here. So can you tell me what the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing airliners during the daytime, Mr. Washington? I, I don't want to guess on that, Senator. Are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? Unmanned aerial, unmanned like drones, are you familiar with the yes, difference? Yes, yes. Okay, you know the difference between those two, Part 44809 and Part 107? Do you know the difference there? No, I cannot uh, it's okay. fill that out. So what does this clown know? I mean, what, that, and, and the white guy here uh, has to act in such a way where, you know, he, well, you know, you're attacking. No, nobody's attacking anybody. Uh, what are you doing? Like, why are you trying to slip this clown, this Phil Washington, uh, past us, Ted Budden, the senator, is asking him to pilots and to people in aviation very remedial questions. Well, that's assault. I can hear it now. That's crap. It's time we raise our standard. Look, here's what I do. I just want you to know. I judge you by the content of your character, not by the color of your skin, period. And the content of your character here, this guy, Phil Washington, is interesting. Can we show what Mr. Washington uh, is involved with? Uh, I think I, I sent you guys that little screenshot. Hopefully we have it up or I can read it. It doesn't matter. But uh, my man here, Washington, has a long history of working for far-left politicians, including Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. He also happens to be caught up in a corruption scheme that alleges he headed up a pay-to-play scandal handing out $800,000 in no-bid contracts to politically-tinged charities. And Biden is trying to slip this guy past us for, what is it, the Federal Aviation Administration. This guy, I'm not a, I'm not a pilot. No, you're head of the Federal Aviation Administration, and you don't know nothing. But hey, you check all the boxes, right? I go by content of character. You guys... Uh, that are hiring people, go by the color of your skin. The content of this cloud's he's trying so hard to. He's trying so, well, you know, that could be diabetes or that could be. Why are people that are unqualified put in front of us in major positions? Why don't we listen to the words of Martin Luther King and pay attention to the content of character? not the color of skin. This guy here is involved in a scandal. Whether he did it or not, I don't know. But I got to tell you, he's involved in it. At least he's reported to be involved in it. And then he sits up to look at him. He's trying so hard. He's trying so hard to look like he's not the dumbest man in the room. And he's clearly the dumbest man in the room. You don't get dumber than the stand. And this guy, Bud, it's all he can do because Bud knows he's going to be assaulted, right? He's going to be attacked by, well, you know, you're racist, really? What do you do racist? Well, you can't. No, uh-uh. What, what are you talking about? Why is he racist? Well, because he asked a guy a question on a Senate floor. What's wrong with, what's wrong with that? But that, ladies and gentlemen, in the modern world that we live in, 
is racist. And I don't understand it. You don't understand it. Nobody understands it. But you can tell Bud's like, why am I talking to this idiot? Can somebody please explain to me why I've got to sit up here and talk to this complete clown of a human being? Why do I have to speak to this man? He's involved in a scandal. He doesn't know what he's doing. But hey, this checks. This is dangerous to our country. I don't care if you hire 10 black guys, three women, three transgenders, and a partridge in a pear tree. I don't care. But hire people that are at least a little bit, a little bit, a skosh qualified for the job that they're being hired to do, particularly when it impacts all of us. Pete Buttigieg's ridiculousness has affected all of us. We saw it with Southwest Airlines. Now, you guys can tell, well, you're racist, dog. Yeah, well, I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And I implore everybody to do the same. I mean, look at this guy. He's trying so hard. He's trying so, and I guarantee he's got people saying, man, you were great. You're absolutely great. No, you were great. No. Let me continue an early morning rant. So yesterday, during the SIUE, all right, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, SIUE, Southern Illinois, University, Edwardsville, UT Martin game. These two idiots here are doing the AAU thing. It seems like every day we get involved in some kind of nonsense on the court in college basketball. Rafael Miguel is leaning in on uh, D1 Pruitt. They're acting like complete idiots walking down the court. And then the dude on the right, I don't know if we're going to slow motion it, the dude on the right, Rafael Miguel, Ruffin Miguel, Riffin Miguel, whatever the hell, and decides that's what he's going to do. Just throw a punch. We see it every day. We see it every single day in college basketball, and it sickens me. We got idiot coaches last year, slapping guy. We got just a number of stupidity. We are in the AAU era, but it's all right, right? We don't care about the game because Jay Billis tells us, even if you're involved in murder, we care about your rights. And that keeps Jay employed. That keeps white guy employed, unless he works for OutKick. If he works for OutKick, then you can say what's true. It ain't racist to say what's true. And if you think it's racist to say what's true, then that's on you, not me. But the fact of the matter is, so these two idiots, they get tangled up. And one guy, you know, I'm going to stand in front of you. Okay. And then the idiot on the right takes a swing, clocks this guy. Three people are, uh, excuse me, three people are given the boot, including the idiot Riffin uh, that took the swing or whichever idiot, Pruitt, that took the swing. And next thing you know, uh, we got AAU basketball. I'm telling you, we got, remember the guy slapping the fan? He walked over and slapped the fan. Oh, okay, great. Man, you're just going to slap a fan every day. And I'll tell you something else. If I were the commissioner, if I were the commissioner of basketball in the NCAA, coaches would stop looking like slobs. It looked, I was watching yesterday. I watched basketball all day long. Hell, I watched Troy and Arkansas State, and the Arkansas State coach looked just like the AAU coach. He was some white dude wearing a too small t-shirt or shirt, and it hit me like, this is ridiculous. I mean, we have no pride in college basketball. We have nothing. And be honest with you, I did it. When I was coaching, I would wear a suit and tie, and then oh, I'd wear this. I wore a vest. I did anything I could to get me to not lose a freaking game, and I thought my clothes mattered. 
But college basketball has morphed into the AAU circuit, and how couldn't it? I want you to think about it. How couldn't it? These clowns here, I'm sure they came up playing AAU basketball from the time they were five, where coaches act like idiots, where parents acted like idiots. Players would fight. Game over. Players don't care about winning or losing. We see it all the time. You're going to see it in the NCAA tournament. And when you see it in the NCAA tournament, stupid stuff like these two idiots, you know what's going to happen? People are going to finally wake up. Somebody please explain to me why we cater to 18 to 23-year-olds, why it's okay. I guess Billis is the number one analyst on ESPN, which tells you how low ESPN is on analysts ever since I left. But I got to tell you, uh, saying it's okay, hey, look, it's fine. Hey, it's all good. Nah. Go ahead, bring a gun to a murder scene. Nah, it's not your fault. You got rights. Don't worry about the school. You got rights. It's totally out of whack. I get it. Billis makes a lot of money. White guys make a lot of money. You don't want to rock the boat. You want to say everything like that, that uh, Ted Bud, or the Bud, the senator. He knows he's dealing with idiots, but he can't say, right? I don't care if you're white or black. When you're dealing with idiots and you can't say, that's just awful. I judge people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And these two guys that were fighting yesterday are complete and total idiots. So is the guy that slapped the fan. So is Jawan Howard who slapped another coach. I mean, the level of stupid by Nate Oates is off the charts. He is in another category. Nate Oates is in a category that says, look, you are a Hall of Famer. You are in the Hall of Fame of dumbasses, and you should never be around kids again. In fact, were I a coach, I would never send my kid to play for Nate Oates because, well, frankly, Nate Oates is an idiot. I mean, I'm sorry. If you're not smart enough, and I go back to something. Nate Oates decided it was a good idea to call Ray Lewis. Now think about that for a second. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is his mentor to try to get his players out of a murder conviction. I mean, they're just idiots. And frankly, I'm tired of it. Frankly, I've had enough of the idea that, you know what? We're going to cater to 18 to 23 years because they're ruined basketball. Basketball is great, man. College basketball is fantastic every day. I watched Cleveland State come back from seven down with about two and a half to go, win in overtime against Robert Morris, and I couldn't stop watching. I'm going to do the same today. I'll be watching all day today. It's raining like crazy. It's Lent. I can't eat meat. So there you go. Hey, John Hendricks is going to join us. you got to follow him, John J. Hendricks with an X. He's a writer, he's a reporter uh, at Saints News and Sports Illustrated, SI.com. Nice enough to join us. I got to get to the bottom of this. Uh, The Saints are all about the news. Let's go to Alvin Kamara. That video looked awful. Awful, John. What's the latest on his legal situation? Yeah, look, so he uh, was in Las Vegas courtroom yesterday and he pleaded not guilty on all the charges. And so... Now it's one of those things where it's going to move to a trial and it's set for July 31st, which is going to be in the uh, the heart of Saints training camp. And so, look, there, there's obviously with the NFL's conduct policy, he could still get suspended even if he doesn't, you know, beat the legal charges and such. But, um, you know, look, it's one of those things where I think, you know, we're expecting him to get suspended at some point. And um, this is something that's obviously not going to be something that uh, gets put to bed quickly. Was, was, going back to the video, was the video not, um, 
Was the video not out and available to the Saints prior to the season? You know what I mean? Like, you know, had they seen the video, would they have suspended it? How does this work in the NFL? Yeah, so usually, like, again, it's with those, they could put him on uh, the NFL's, you know, commissioner exemption list if they felt like, you know, this is going to be a problem and that they may. But, you know, again, under the conduct policy, typically what the league does is they wait until the, the legal side plays out and they conduct their investigation and then they kind of rule through their suspension and such. And so, again, if they feel like it gets to a point, they could put them on that commissioner exemption list. They wouldn't count towards a, a 53-man roster or anything like that. We've seen it used over the past several years as players and, and that have had these types of things. And again, it's just one of those that we got to see how the legal process plays out. And of course, you know, videos uh, and such that doesn't look that favorable. And of course, he has the civil suit in Louisiana too, where he sued for $10 million by Tony Busby. So look, there's a lot of uh, things that stem from this, and it's more than one person, obviously, too, and, and such uh, that's involved in here. So it, it's not a good look, and, you know, we again, we're just going to have to kind of see how things play out. But he was in court yesterday and uh, or the other day, and, and so obviously that's, um, you know, the severity of this whole situation. You know, one of the things that I always find interesting is what happens with certain quarterbacks. Like, I'm a big Jameis Winston fan. I, look, I don't care. What, you know, whatever he did in college, he did. But I was around him one time. Mike Tirico and I were doing a game, college basketball game at Michigan, and he was there working out with Jim Harbaugh. And I got to tell you, I just really liked the guy. Like, I really liked the guy for whatever the reason. I just liked him, right or wrong. Is he going to – and I was hoping that at some point he would come here to Indianapolis as opposed to Matt Ryan or, you know, uh, whoever else we've thrown around here. Is he going to get cut? Where's he at in his NFL career? Yeah, look, I mean, right now he's still under contract with the Saints, and obviously their pursuit of Derek Carr is, is real, and, and I think that's their top play, their top target. And, you know, even if that doesn't work out, then, look, I think they have a backup plan there, but I think they're banking on Carr being their, their top priority here. And, look, Jameis could end up being the backup, and, look, his, his price tag is not uh, unfavorable for a guy to back you up, but maybe they do some maneuvering there. Look, he's been humble through this whole entire process, and he is a great guy to talk to in the locker room. He's a great teammate, great supporter. He's a guy that I think can start on a lot of teams, right? And so, look, last year it was a case of injury, right? And so, I, and, and he was was kind of playing pretty well, managing things in the offense. And so, look, I think Jameis may get a shot here. I think he could end up getting released. Maybe they put him as a post June first release candidate, and give him an opportunity, and. But, you know, look, he's extremely well-liked in the locker room. Obviously, he just wants to play. He wants to be out there. He wants to do everything. It doesn't matter if he's 50% or 100%. He wants to be out there, and he's going to work um, tirelessly uh, and, and to make sure that he's in a position to be out there. And, you know, look, he was a great support system uh, even when he wasn't the starter last season. Um, when you When you look at – is he going to be the guy there ultimately? I mean, what I, I, you don't know and nobody knows, but I do have to ask, um, one out of 100, one out of 10, one out of five, where are we at with Derek Carr? I, right now, if you ask me, based on things I've heard this week and things that I feel, I think it's about 85% chance that he's a New Orleans Saints quarterback. Um, and look, I think what it comes down to is, 
situation and it comes down. I, I don't think it's necessarily about as much money um, as it is the fit and making the right decision for his perspective because look, Derek Carr wants to win, right? He wants to be in a position where he can make a Super Bowl. If you go to the Jets, um, you're in a tough division. You know, you you got to play against New England, Buffalo, and and obviously uh, Miami twice a year, and and you're playing in the AFC, and so the NFC is a little bit lighter of a path just to get to the dance. And he hasn't it doesn't wouldn't, hasn't had the type of defensive support like he could in a New Orleans um, and, and environment. You're playing in a dome, so I think that's appealing as well. So, but I think when it comes down to it, it's more cars just trying to think about where do I want to be because look we talked to Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen they don't they don't view him as a short-term guy they think of him as a long-term solution in this play um you know obviously they got to do some work with the salary cap and make it all work and such but look I think that the way they view him and the amount of trust and faith they have in his abilities and the confidence that they have in him he is a guy that they look at that would be a starter for years to come in New Orleans. And so I feel like it's only a matter of time before we do kind of get an answer. I'd be kind of surprised if the Panthers do land him because, you know, of course, the rumored interest about Aaron Rodgers. But but I think right now New Orleans is in the the driver's seat. They're in the front runner spot right now until they're not. But I I think we'll find out here in the next week or two uh, ahead of the start of the new new league year of where he ultimately lands. I feel good about New Orleans. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers. I'm asking everybody I know. Where are you on the Aaron Rodgers uh, scale of, uh, I think his stuff is interesting. Let's go to, I'm so tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. I just wish everybody would shut up on it. (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think last year when Green Bay was was all his fault. I just don't think it was. I mean, there was a problem with the receivers. He says all these types of different things. And so, look, I still think Aaron Rodgers can play football. I think he's a, a hell of a quarterback. I think he's going to make a difference for a team. Obviously, the situation in Green Bay, I think it reached a, a boiling point there. And, and I, I just don't know that that would be the best scenario for him. But look, if he comes to the NFC South, if Carolina is able to land him via trade, that would be really interesting for the division. That was pretty terrible last year. And then, you know, obviously, Mark Jackson is still floating out there as well. But, look. I think Aaron Rodgers can still ball. I think he has plenty left in this to show. And, and look, I mean, I know Tom Brady's probably the best example of father time and just being able to last in the NFL when you have a good support system. You know, Drew Brees did it for a while down here in New Orleans. So, look, I think he can still play football. It's just a matter of whether Aaron wants to play. And I think he needs to go to a situation that's going to help him be in the best position to be able to succeed. Yeah, I, I agree, but I've had enough of them. I mean, I, I, look, I, go stay. I, come to Indianapolis. I'm great, you know. Like, hey, I, we, we've had Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan here, so I'm I'm good. But I've had. I mean, I'm just. I I don't know. You know what, John? The smugness bothers me. But you know, it didn't. But now it is. Yeah. All right, combine. Uh, what have you seen other than like what Nolan Smith ran like freaking uh, Michael Irvin back in the day? I mean, what we got out of the combine? Man, I tell you, it's crazy. I I was thinking, I'm like, man, do they need to check their 40 clocks? Because, man, it's uh, amazing how fast these defensive linemen were, were running yesterday. And, you know, them and the linebackers are getting after it. But, man, it's just one of those things where, you know, again, talking to Dennis Allen, one of the things that he had mentioned and when we talked to him on Wednesday was, you know, most of these guys are just kind of a name and a number, right? And, 
you know, you get to hear a lot of these personal stories and just kind of where the, the adversity that these guys have come through. And I think that's one of the things that you got to appreciate most about the combine and the senior bowl, those types of things where you really get to know these college players. But let's face it, all, everything that they've done is on film, right? And so now it's just trying to, to boost some stock, get some more eyes on you. Maybe you boost your stock and go from maybe a day three pick to day two, or maybe go from day two to day one because of everything that you do. And even if they don't do great at the combine, you still have pro days. So, look, defensive linemen, they look good. I know specifically from New Orleans, they've got to revamp and figure out that defensive interior. And there were a lot of guys there yesterday uh, that were making some waves. They may have to look at linebacker, too. But, man, it's uh, just something just to see these guys and the way they scoot. And I was at the HBCU combine the other week. And, man, it's just it's good to be around some of these guys in a different type of setting that, you know, everything could change in the future. But 300-plus players here, it's, uh, it's a pretty insane scene here in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's great. John, thanks for the time, man. Great stuff. I appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. You bet, man. Thanks, and Have a good rest of the show. That's my, uh, my pleasure. John J. Hendricks, H-E-N-D-R-I-X, uh, writer, reporter, Saints News, also Sports Illustrated. Nice of John to join us. Uh, look, Elvin Kamara, that's a bad look, man. If you've seen the video, you know that that is a bad deal. Aaron Rodgers, I am tired of. Jameis Winston, I'll take 40 uh, touchdown passes with maybe 30 interceptions. What the hell? At least it'll be interesting. I have no idea. Look, I got no idea what's going to happen with Derek Carr. All of a sudden, the Derek Carr, love me, tour. Love me. I want to be loved by you. Tour, go to all these different places. Tell me you love me. Tell me you need me. Tell me you want me. Tell me to hold me. Uh, people are asking, including our boss, why the Harvard sweatshirt today? Well, Harvard softball, baby. They take on the moccasins. That's right. They take on Tennessee Chattanooga in softball, second tournament of the year. My stepdaughter, the lovely Tegan Shaw, is down there playing. And you know what? So we change our flag. Yesterday, Illinois State lost the Dockage family. We fly different flags during seasons. Uh, Illinois State basketball season ended, so the Illinois State flag comes down. The Harvard softball flag goes up, and then the Cubs flag goes up after the Harvard softball flag. And by the time we're done with the Cubs, generally it becomes back to Illinois State. Used to be Allegheny, where my stepson went, but not anymore, baby, because he has gotten a little bit older and out of college. I got a lot to get to today, college basketball. Let me explain something to you. Antoine Davis, the kid who I was really rooting for to beat Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record, fell three points short last night as, well, Youngstown got him. Youngstown beat Antoine Davis and the Detroit Mercy Titans. Antoine Davis needed 26. He got 23. He fell Three points short of the pistol. And, you know, here's the thing. Let me just explain this to you. What Antoine Davis did was unbelievable. And so people say, well, you know, he did it in more games. Duh. Well, you know, they have a three-point line. Duh. Well, you know, they have a shot clock. Duh. I don't care about any of it. You score that many points in a college career. Hell, you score that many points in a high school career. And I got mad respect for you. I do. And I was really rooting for the kid to get it done. I was. I was rooting for him to break the record because I like his dad, Mike Davis, a lot. I think Mike Davis is one of the true, really good guys 
in and around college basketball. And as I said on this show all week, Mike Davis took over for Bob Knight when Bob Knight acted like an idiot and got the boot at Indiana University. And Mike Davis led Indiana with Dane Fife and Hornsby and Leach and Jeffries and Newton and all those guys to a national championship appearance where Juan Dixon and the fellas from Maryland got her done last time Indiana's been relevant, really, on the national scene during March Madness. So I always liked Mike Davis. I know the crap that Mike Davis uh, found or the crap that Mike Davis was given by the fans of Indiana, and frankly, it was disgusting. It's the one area of Indiana fans that I just didn't like. Mike Davis caught a lot of racial crap. I saw the letters. Rick Greenspan, the AD, showed them to me when I was a head coach at Indiana. Uh, after the season was over, we were just sitting around one day, and he decided that Mike was going to be uh, – he wanted to talk to me about Mike and other things, and one of the things that he did was bring them out, and frankly, it was completely and totally Idiotic. If you don't like my rant on diversity hires, I could care less. I judge people. I'm going to keep saying it because I wish people would. I wish we would heed the words of Martin Luther King and judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And Phil Washington, baby, eh, your character is in question. Trying to be the FAA commissioner. I'm the FAA commissioner, the commissioner. I don't care whichever one. You are a fool. Yeah, you're a fool. Uh, I don't suffer fools. I refuse to suffer fools. All right, man, we got college hoops upside the head. I got to go charge all my stuff. I don't know. My chargers aren't working. My, my iPad, I can't get to the damn YouTube chat. I'm charging things over this break. We'll be right back. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, thanks to John Hendricks. Haley Carodia is coming on. We're going to do some TikTok. And also, Mike Bray is going to join us coming up here. What time is it? About an hour. The coach who went to the linebacker after the game. What a great move by Mike Bray. I love Mike Bray. If Mike Bray, I'm going to tell him this. If he's smart, he'll forget about coaching and he'll go into broadcasting where I know the boys at ESPN, if they're smart, which I think they are, they got to be chomping at the bit to get Mike Bray there or whoever covers the Big East. I think our folks here at Fox cover the Big East. They got to be chomping at the bit to get Mike Bray involved. So we'll talk to the coach, former coach or still coach, I guess, uh, of, of the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. All right, college basketball this weekend. Look, people, don't at me. Just don't freaking at me. College basketball this weekend is going to be awesome. Auburn or Alabama at Texas A&M, fantastic. Kansas and Texas. Texas, to me, look, let's be honest, just give Rodney Terry the job. Kansas is going to win its 1,000s or whatever the hell it is uh, game, or excuse me, Big 12 conference title. Uh, one time way back when I was doing games at ESPN and Kansas had won like its 11th straight conference championship, I said on the air, look, there's a lot of guys in suits all across the Big 12. How come none of you guys in suits can beat Kansas ever? 
Like, why can none of you beat Kansas? How does Kansas run roughshod over everybody, every time, every year? So some guy, he was angry, named Rob Lanier. Uh, Rob Lanier, uh, Dad, uh, I got a voice message. I'm, I'm acting like I got a voice message. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I did. Uh, Dan, you know, uh, Rob Lanier here, well, you know, uh, we did tie them. Like, okay, great. Not great. I mean, you know, okay, fantastic. Wonderful. Let's go. Let's tweet from OutKick. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, Rob Lanier and the fellas at wherever the hell he was coach, or who cares? How does Kansas dominate? I want to ask you all a question, serious question. Uh, here's the deal. Kansas has no recruiting base. None. Zero. Zip. Texas, huge recruiting base. All these places have these monstrous recruiting bases. Will somebody explain to me? I don't matter if it's Roy Williams or whether now uh, it's Bill Self. Can somebody please explain to me how Kansas just dominates a league where the league has put in so much money? I mean, Texas has money like it's going out of style. There is a ton of green. All over the place here. Hey, fellas, let me in, will you? Uh, there is a ton of green. And yet, Kansas wins conference championship after conference championship after conference championship. I swear to God, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life. It is. It's unbelievable. And good for Bill Self and Kansas. But how do they do it? Like, Indiana, you got a great recruiting base. And we can't beat Ball State. I mean, honest to God, we stinks. Kansas is in the middle of nowhere. I don't even, you know, people, oh, there's a JUCOs out there. Okay, you think they're winning with JUCOs? It's unbelievable. And I salute you, Kansas. And I salute you, Bill Self. And I salute the entire, I don't know, fan base, everybody. All right? Arizona and UCLA. Great article today by an idiot, Myron Metcalf, on Jaime and Gabriela Jaquez. They both, or Gabriella did, she stayed at our house with her mom and her dad and a couple of their cousins for the duration of the NCAA tournament when it was held here in Indianapolis. The entire tournament was. So they stayed at our house for a week or two. It was awesome. Gabrielle is now playing at UCLA. She's fantastic. Love that girl. Jaime Jaquez is a first-team All-American. Great article today at ESPN on the both of them. The reason we got involved with them is one of my wife's players, long time at Bowling Green, long time ago, Carmen Simpson, is an aunt. Uh, Carmen is the sister of Jaime and Gabriela Jaquez, his mom. So they needed a place to stay. They stayed at our house. You'll love the article. Look, I know it's written by an idiot. I know Myron Metcalf is dying to be an attention guy, all that kind of stuff, and he's a clown, but that's all right. He wrote a good article on two really good people, so maybe he's not a clown anymore. I don't know. Uh, Pitt and Miami, I'm not going to lie to you. No interest. Like, Pitt and Miami could play for the national championship, and I would go, yeah, I'm going to go watch uh, Two and a Half Men reruns. What time is it? Uh, I'm going to go hang out and, uh, you know, wash my ass. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I got zero. Jim Laranega is awesome, right? I love Jim Laranega. So when Laranega went to, this is the greatest story ever. Laranega went to Miami. He decided that he was Cuban. 
and he put one of those little schwas over one of the R's in his name. Larry is the best, man. He's from New York. He's just so great. I followed him at Bowling Green, and I don't think I ever heard of a least-liked coach. But I like him. I like his wife. I like his kids. He coaches Miami. Good for him. But I got to tell you, I could care less about that game. Is there anybody? I got to get to the YouTube chat. I'm going to get to the YouTube chat at the top of the hour because all of my different devices are broke. But there's nobody in America could care about Pitt, even though they're ranked 25, and Miami, even though they're ranked 16. Hell, I bet you the assistant coaches at Pitt don't care. They just want to get to South Beach. Uh, Tennessee and Auburn, great game, a lot of reasons. One, Auburn, desperate, desperate. Bruce Pearl went nuclear the other day. It was glorious. It was spectacular. And I love what he did. He just got mad at everybody, including and mostly the referees. But after a game that you lose and you think you got jobbed by the uh, officials, and particularly when you're on the road, you're mad at everybody, like everybody. So Bruce went off. People are on his backside. Screw that. Good for you, Bruce. You do you. And obviously the storyline is that Bruce used to coach at uh, Tennessee, you know, but that storyline's a little little played out. I think so. I mean, I, I think it's just, all right, yeah, great. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But you got a team in Tennessee that's good enough to beat teams in the NCAA tournament, but you got to get into the NCAA tournament, and you got to get a win against Tennessee. Duke and North Carolina, not going to lie, don't buy into uh, Duke's shroggy, or not shroggy, Duke's uh, Shire and their staff. I ain't buying into it. Now, I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. I want everybody to succeed. We're all God's children. That's what they tell me. Everybody tells me we're all God's children. So I'll be all God's children. I hope they survive. But Mike Shroggy's an assistant there. Mike Shroggy was the head coach at Elon, and I'll always be indebted to him for hiring my son. However, when my son was getting ready to vamoose, guess what? He accused my son of being disloyal. All the time, my son knew that Shroggy was going to leave his head coaching job at... Elon to go back to Duke. So think about this. He tells my son, hey man, you know, loyalty is important, blah, 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 blah. All the time I knew and my son knew that Shroggy was talking to Duke and Mike, or excuse me, and John Shire about leaving Elon and going to Duke. I got to tell you, that's underhanded. That's, That's dirty pool. That's bad business. I don't like it. So at the end of the day, I'm not a fan. I don't trust them. I don't like them. And you know what? If you like them, good. On the other hand, the nicest man in America, and I do mean this, the nicest man in America is Hubert Davis. Make no mistake. Hubert Davis is America's nicest human being. Competitive as hell. Competitive as hell. I mean competitive as hazel. All right? And you know what? A nice guy to boot. Kind of like Roy Williams. Nice guy. Don't jack with them, though. They'll throw some hands if they need to. Uh, This game has implications because North Carolina is trying like crazy to get in the NCAA tournament. Let me ask you a question. True story. I don't care how good Miami is. I would watch North Carolina in the NCAA tournament far before... I would ever watch Miami or Pittsburgh 
in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, that's how I look at it. So I want Indiana, I want Kentucky, I want North Carolina, I want Kansas, I want Duke, I want UConn, I want Michigan State, I want UCLA, I want Arizona. You know what I'm saying. Texas, I don't care about. Oklahoma, could care less. Oklahoma State means nothing to me. But there are certain programs. I want Alabama in the NCAA tournament, and they may be the number one seed. You know, people are mad at me. NATO, I would never let my son play for NATO. It's because he is an idiot. I, I don't think he has to worry about that. When did NATO try to get his players out of a murder conviction? Yeah. I would never let my son play for Dandy. You know, uh, same, same guys. Same guys on my backside. I just wouldn't. I'm sorry. I just wouldn't let him play uh, for Nate Oates. It's just something I would not do. And if people don't like it, good for you, man. Good for you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here's something that uh, in a little bit I'm going to get Urban Meyer next week to come on and talk about. But college football coaches are trying to find white work-life balance in the new NIL transfer portal world with NFL jobs looking better every day. I got two words for you. Duh and duh. Seriously. Let me ask you a question. Who wants to deal with these 18 to 23-year-olds when you got no power over them? None. Zero. Zip. Nada. No power. Nothing. What's your power over them? They run to the AD. They run to their Twitter. They run wherever. I want to coach these brats. And the work-life balance, if you're looking for work-life balance and you're a football or basketball coach, you should be out of the business. You should not be in the business of coaching in college. You should not be in the business of coaching in the pros if you're looking for work-life balance because there is no work-life balance. I'm sorry, there isn't. I literally, as a coach, tried to make it to every one of my kids' games. Game over, win or lose. My son was playing in Perrysburg, got in the car and drove. Coached their teams in the sun. But there's no work-life balance. And everybody in my family still complains that I wasn't there. No, if you're worried about work-life balance, go be an accountant or be a radio host or host an unbelievable show here on OutKick. But if you're looking for work-life balance, it ain't there. As an NFL coach, it ain't there. As a college football coach, it ain't there. As as an NBA coach, it ain't there at all as a college basketball coach. I want my wife to go back to coaching because I want to be her uh, director of ops and handle all the problems. But I'm not going to the office. I'm putting on my thong, I'm getting a hotel room, and I'm sitting at the hotel all day. And if girls got a problem, they got to come over, and I'm going to cuss them out. That's a true story. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Willie McGinnis, you know, again, the level of idiot. I judge by the content of your character not by the color of your skin. I feel like you got to say that every time that you criticize somebody that isn't white. Uh, I judge by the content of your character. And Willie McGinnis, I always thought he was a pretty good guy. I did. I, I always thought he was a pretty good guy. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, he came on my radio show. Uh, I, You know what? I, uh, you know... Robert Latal, BSO, Black Sports, uh, says, how many felonies Willie McGinnis has been charged with for showing a man the Patriot way at a restaurant by beating the brakes off him 
and busted him over the head with a bottle. Yeah. Well, he's been charged with two felonies. He's been charged with two felonies. The video, you see it. I mean, just an idiot. Yeah, we're going to come in and we're just going to beat the living crap out of everybody because, well, I used to play for the Patriots. What the hell's on that wall? Yeah, I used to play for the Patriots, and, well, you know, uh, you know, I got a Super Bowl ring. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, as long as you played for the Patriots and you got a Super Bowl ring, you can come in and beat the hell out of anybody you want. And then, of course, he apologized. All right. Each charge uh, carries up to four years in prison. Uh, the arraignment is going to be set for April. You're not going to jail. should go to jail. Let me ask you a question. How do you not go to jail? A uh, friend of my stepson went to jail, apparently, for three years for punching a guy in a bar that had roofied their friend, the girl. I mean, how, you know, how does Willie McGinnis not go to jail? Willie McGinnis should not only go to jail, but he should go to jail for a long freaking time. All right, this story is just glorious. This story is just unbelievable. So, in New York City, it 1,000%, ladies and gentlemen, pays to loot. It 1% thousand percent pays to run around, fight people during the George Floyd protests. All right. They were, quote, mistreated by police. So 300, 300 George Floyd looters slash protesters are going to get paid. Listen to this. Twenty one thousand five hundred. $100. I'm going to say it again. George Floyd looters, 300 of protesters, peaceful, of course, are paying, listen to this, $21,500 for those detained, arrested, or subjected to force by police officers. How about that? I guess 320 people. See, how do you be a policeman now? Again, I judge by the content of your character, uh, not, ladies and gentlemen, the color of your skin. I don't know if they're white or black, these protesters. I don't care. What I do care about is why are we paying off guys, gals, and everything in between that are, I don't know, looting, robbing, protesting, burning, and the police are doing their job. I don't even care. Look, I'm not one of those. I've had a gun held to my head three times by police officers. One time on a dark road coming back from my girlfriend Diane Laverde's house in Cedar Lake, Indiana. I passed a guy on a dark road. I had to get home. He pulled me over. It's a long story. Put a gun to my head. I smelled alcohol. I thought I was going to die. Yeah, but he didn't shoot you. He'd have shot you if you were black. No, I put my hands on the steering wheel. I said, sir, yes, sir, yes, blah, 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 blah. So whatever. Second time was, well, actually, the yeah, second time was in Franklin, Indiana. I went to go pick up my buddies who were hammered. I mean, smoked at a downtown bar. I happened to be like, you know, baby, in back at the dorm with one of my gal pals. Anyway, they called. They said, hey, you got to pick us up. I picked them up. Apparently, I ran a stop sign. My buddy Dave Brezik opened the car door. Beer cans flew out. He looked at the cops who had shotguns on us. He goes, what are you going to do, shoot us? My hands were here. 
And then the third time, we were playing Skater Brew. You know what Skater Brew is? We would rent a rink. It was like 100 bucks uh, an hour. We would rent it for an hour at Homewood Flossmoor from 1 o'clock in the morning or midnight till 1 o'clock in the morning. We'd pack about 10 guys in there. We were the Russians. We drank vodka. Uh, the other team was the uh, Americans. They drank Bud L- Budweiser. And we played hockey. Got in the van. We're driving home, having a good time. Cops pulled us over. I opened up the door, spit a wad of tobacco down right on a cop's shiny shoes. He pulled out his gun, pointed it at me. I'm like, oh, man, I am so sorry. I showed my hands. See, man, you're a white guy. Hey, and by the way, uh, that idiot president of ours saying that white people never got the talk. Are you crazy? I grew up in Gary, Indiana. Here's the talk. Put your hands on a freaking steel steering wheel, moron. Hey, if you can, put your license in your hand like that. Do yourself a favor. Don't reach in the glove compartment. I'll give you another one. In Gary, Indiana, or south side of Chicago, always park at a stoplight where you got a getaway route. That's the talk. Yes, sir. No, sir. Get out of the car. Yes, sir. Everybody got the talk. Everybody in Maryville, Indiana got the talk. Gary, Indiana, Hammond, East Chicago, Highland, Griffin, Portage, you name it. Uh, maybe not Portage. They were over there. We all got the talk. So I had a gun put to my head three different times, and I got to sit here and listen to all this crap. Stop it. I should sue everybody. Get 21-5. 21-5 ain't bad. Comes in handy. So we now celebrate protesters. Uh, my friends at the Indy Star uh, put out how they don't go for clicks, and they hold public uh, officials' feet to the fire. Did you know that nobody knows where the mayor of Indianapolis was during those George Floyd riots? Word on the street, allegedly, he wanted to go, you know, in in a bit, I'm not even going to say. Nobody knows where our mayor was. A lot of us think we know. So don't at me. We're going to let protesters protest, and it is not going to be based on the content of character. It is going to be based on the color of their skin, and you and I both know that. You know what I mean? So that's the way the world works. And if you don't agree with it, then good for you. But I'm just telling you the way the world works. It works that way. All right. Uh, coming up, I'm going to do a little TikToking. We're going to do a lot of TikToking. But hey, tell me I'm wrong. I just go by what we're supposed to do. I was told by Martin Luther King, and this is actually what I have always done. I judge you by the content of your character. I judge you by the content of your character, not the color of your skin. And if we went by answers in a senator hearing, look up the name Phil Washington in front of Senator Bud. Now that might be he's up there because, oh, I don't know, the color of his skin, not certainly his answers. Why is Pete Buttigieg up there? Pete Buttigieg's character has been fine, but Pete Buttigieg has been awful. Why is Pete Buttigieg? the head of transportation when he was nicknamed Pothole Pete and couldn't even run South Bend. Speaking of South Bend, baby, you know what we got. We got Mike Bray coming up. Yeah, we do. We got Mike Bray coming up, and I am looking forward to it. Ripping J-Mo shots at the linebacker. Raise your hand if you have ripped J-Mo shots at the linebacker. I got to tell you, I have. Linebacker's a bar just off campus, and back in my heyday when I was dominating Uh, The small bars, clubs, of course, the discotheques in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, 
Uh, I legitimately ripped JMO shots at the linebacker with a couple of football players and a couple of my buddies from Notre Dame. Uh, and that's right, Jennifer. I did dominate the 90s. The hair was flowing. I knew Steve Alford. I'd go into Jake's, and next thing you know, I was getting it done, baby. I had dance moves, too. Walk like an Egyptian. All right, when we come back, Haley, baby, I, uh, I got to see some of these TikToks. Mike Bray at the bottom of the hour. Can't wait. We'll try to break news. We'll try to get Mike Bray uh, to tell us what he is going to. And, of course, when we come back, I'm going to give you my bets for the day, but don't listen to them. My bets work when I watch the scores. I, I treat it as a third job. I watch the scores and a game, and then I make my bets in-game live. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You guys know this. Uh, generally, in gambling, you're going to lose. Generally, you try not to lose more than you can afford to lose. Last year, I lost, but I didn't lose more than I can afford. It was pretty good years worth of entertainment. This year, I don't care about the entertainment. This year, I'm about winning. So far, January 1 to right now, we are up two and a half grand, 2,500. Last night, I was, I'll tell you the story. I love telling you my life. Last night, I lost my mind a little bit. No alcohol, was watching games. Caught a couple bad beats. I was down $1,200. Not proud of it, but I was. All right? Then, then I said, screw it. I'm going to go back to my way of doing it. I saw that the combination of Cleveland State and Elkhorn State, both of whom I I didn't watch the Elkhorn State game, but they were playing Mississippi Valley, and they were going to win that game. I, watched, I was watching the Cleveland State game. They were down four at half, and I'm like, they're going to win this game. They're a better team. So I took out $1,000. I've never – I've done this once before. Took out $1,000 and put it on this parlay right here. With two and a half minutes to go, Alcorn had won. They were going to win. Cleveland State, they were playing at home, was down seven. I don't know what I was going to do. Cleveland State made a miraculous run, tied it up and won it in overtime. Uh, my wife has a video of me that I think she she taped, unbeknownst to me, on um, FaceTime of me running around the house when I called her, screaming. So I got myself back. I'm never doing that again. I'm not putting myself in that position. I'm gonna be disciplined today, and I'm gonna help you with that as well. Purdue got a win, good for the boys. All right, we'll be right back. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
It is my favorite segment of the week. Although you will have competition, Haley, because um, Mike Bray's coming on. I love talking to Mike Bray. It's like talking to Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra. You know what I'm saying? It's it's kind of that vibe. (laughs) There's no competition. You're right. But we'll have some fun. I know. All right. Tell people what we're doing, and let's do some voting on some stuff. All right. So first, before we get into the viral TikTok of the week battle, um, I have one video for you that I think you're going to find very funny because I did, too. Any idea what you're looking at? That is a list of the passengers on the Mayflower. (laughs) No, I can't believe this. (laughs) No, (laughs) my ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. Your ancestors came on the Mayflower. No, no, no. You are descended (laughs) from one of the 101 people who sailed on the Mayflower. Oof. That's a little bit too much (laughs) to deal with. For those of you who don't know her, that's Angela Davis, one of the leading evangelists for anti-white racism in America and a professor who also has endorsed the idea of reparations. And as you can see in that clip, she's quite taken aback when she discovers that not only is she the descendant of someone who was a passenger on the Mayflower, but she finds out later in the episode that she's also the descendant of a slave owner. It really makes you wonder, all these people hooping and hollering about the need for reparations might want to take an ancestry DNA test before staking their entire career around the issue. How bad is that? I, I, I swear to God. I, 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 I swear to God. I, I love that video. I do. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, she'll have something to say that's stupid. But I just love that kind of stuff. I, I think that kind of stuff is freaking awesome. It's awesome. hypocrisy at its finest. It's poetic justice. Yes. She's a self-proclaimed Marxist. She was a member of the Communist Party USA, longtime member. Um, and yeah, as CJ Pearson there said, CJ's a um, conservative influencer, activist, um, in the Atlanta area, area. so um, he's pointing out all of this hypocrisy. And I just thought it was so funny because he pointed out that she's for reparations. She thinks that Black people should receive money from white people because of what happened in the past. Um, obviously, slavery was a stain on the fabric of this country, we sh- and we should learn about it and learn from it and, you know, progress from there, which we have. Um, but to make white people pay for sins that they never committed um, is insane. And now she's finding out that her family came over on the Mayflower and they own slaves. So, um, you know, it's just crazy, especially in San Francisco. They were even considering five million dollars per black resident in reparations. And now they're coming out saying, like, actually, the like the math ain't math and we can't really um, afford that kind of reparation payment. Um, So it's just, you know, they're eating themselves. But I just thought I would share that with you. (laughs) Well, here's here's the deal. If you remember a year, maybe two, maybe three, I can't with COVID's got me whatever. But the big deal was to out people whose family had slaves. That was a big deal. We were outing people until guess what happened? Kamala Harris's family had slaves. Joe Biden's family had slaves. And then all of this went away, Haley. It all went away. Isn't that Very amazing? Convenient. Very convenient. And listen, Very. 
nobody's perfect. Everyone had a family member in the past that did something bad, was a slave owner or whatever. This is why I do not believe in cancel culture at all. I think it's insane. We cannot be, you know, indicting people for making mistakes that they made years ago or, you know, people in their family that had made mistakes years ago. It's we've gotten to a point where um, our priorities are a little messed up. So anyway, I'm glad that she, um, you know, got a taste of her own medicine a little bit there. My, my white, my white, I mean, grandfather uh, got buried alive. Great grandfather, not grandfather, great, great grandfather, great grandfather got buried alive by the Ku Klux Klan. They did. I mean, he was uh, Catholic. People don't realize that the Ku Klux Klan, uh, yes, incredibly racist, ridiculous. In fact, uh, I'm not sure they don't still exist here in Indiana. And I'm being serious. Martinsville, Indiana, and Valparaiso were two places. But my great great grandfather got buried by the Ku Klux Klan because Ku Klux Klan didn't like Catholics. I right. want uh, I want reparations from the Ku Klux Klan. Give me I, I, and I'll give it back. I'll give it to somebody else. But you know, there's a bad history. There's my point is there's a terrible history here in a lot of different ways. Slavery being the worst, in my opinion. But I got to tell you, I, I personally I don't feel like giving up tax money for reparations. I don't. I'm, whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. And Dan, I'm Catholic too. And what people don't realize is Catholics are persecuted against, like you said. But also we're seeing this trend in mainstream media, in Hollywood, music videos. People are mocking Catholicism and Christianity. You have Sam Smith, who's um, identifies as non-binary now, but they made a video, um, you know, mocking Catholicism, you know, upside down crosses. They, the song's called Unholy. Um, all of these references to the devil in mainstream media, it's getting a little concerning. And what's what I find interesting, and this is what I'm noticing in like TikTok comment comment sections, people have a very easy time, uh, you know, slamming Catholics and Christians. And it's because they're white because they they target Catholics for being, you know, homophobic or transphobic. Um, but Islam is the same way. They have the same viewpoints as we do, even further um, extreme on, you know, gay people. They're stoning gay people. They're targeting gay people in ways that we would never do in America. Um, and I just think that, you know, people need to be more aware of their hypocrisy. Like you can't be, you know, anti-Catholicism and make fun of Christianity and then not hold you know, Islam to the same standard if that's what they're doing. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's massively hypocritical. Oh, yeah, there's no question. And I like what's going on in Asbury and other college campuses, man. People are fighting back. Uh, Christianity is fighting back. Haley, this goes all to one thing that I've always said, I, I, I and, and I think you'll agree with this. I don't think it's a battle between liberal and conservative. I don't think it's a battle red, blue. I don't think it's a battle between Republican and Democrat. I, le I legitimately think it's a battle between insanity and sanity. I, I legitimately yeah. think the insane dominated for a while. It's time for the sane and sanity to come back and get us on the right path. I totally agree. And on that note, we can head into a different kind of battle, the TikTok battle this week. Um, Dylan, roll the first video. Okay. You better not fuck with mine. I hope. Let him go, Will. <laughs> Get it, cat. Get it. No. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Send me that video. <laughs> what am I supposed to? I'm not reading. Woo! All right. I'll give you a par. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So the cat is. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. So my uh, my high school baseball coach and I were playing golf four or five years ago. He knocks one to about two feet for a birdie. I look up, and there's a fox on the court on our green. And I got a putter and a nine iron, and I put the nine iron like right here. The fox is over here. It comes down. It grabs his ball in its mouth, puts it over on the side, comes back, grabs the flag, gnarls it at me, drops it, looks at us both, and walks off the green. Swear to God. Golf is an extreme sport. Don't listen to anyone who tells you different. <laughs> yeah, you okay. Battle, yeah, you have to battle the, uh, hey. the uh, nature, Mother Nature out there. You know what? I, 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 had, I had the golf club right here. I didn't know what to do, right? Like, hey. So I go in the clubhouse. Golf course was called Wolf Run. I go in the clubhouse, and I tell a story, and they had a name for the, for the uh, fox. They go, yeah, that was old Sparky. I'm like, yeah. what? What? All right, give me the next one. Is that everything for you? Is it what I brought up to the counter, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to use a bad word. That guy's a... No, I'm not going to use a bad word. That guy's a jerk. That guy's a little Alabama frat boy that I want to punch in the face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like... I just want to punch him in the face. I, you know, I knew that guy in college. He wore, in my era, he wore his collar up. He had a little alligator here on the side. And whenever I saw that guy right there, see that guy, Haley? Whenever I saw that guy walking on campus, true story, with a cup of coffee, I elbowed him in, in trap and watched it spill all over him. Now I'd be arrested for assault. I hate that guy. Anti-frat guy. Got it. <laughs> I was in a frat. I got kicked out. True story. I threw a, we beat Kentucky. I didn't like my sweet mate. He was kissing his girlfriend who was a pain in the backside. I grabbed the two by four. Don't know why I did it. I fired it through the window of our suite. They had a duck out of the way. When I came back, Sunday meeting, they gave me the boot. Life and times. Go ahead, Haley. Sorry. It was worth it. It was. It was. All right, what's next? When I will grow up, I will be an army and save Pakistan and destroy India. Strong army, whoa, great! I will open as much educational institution as possible and I'm proud to be a Pakistani! The next generation of Pakistan is going to make Pakistan literacy 100%. I love Pakistan. I will sacrifice my life for Pakistan. I love Pakistan. We all love Pakistan. Pakistan. My plan is that I will be pilot and I will help everyone. Pilot. Yeah, he's a pilot. Great. So that has been going on viral, going viral on TikTok for a while. But you know what's interesting? 
other countries, they're proud of their country. Not us, though. Our youth don't like America very much. We got to get on their level. You know, it, that does irritate me. Like, you know, I, I always say, you know, people are paying tens of thousands of dollars to cross the river in the southern part of our country to get here. People are coming over in boats from Cuba to get here. You know, and, and, but the people that are here don't respect what we have here. You know, and that drives me bat blank crazy, Haley. It does. I mean, we... Can you imagine, I mean, if you lived in the United States for 30 years, all right, first 10, you're a little kid, maybe first 15, you're a little kid, next 15, maybe 40 years, and and all of a sudden you got to go over and live in another place? It's almost like we should have to make people live somewhere else for a year and then come back. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't think people know how good they have it. We are very, 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 very lucky. I mean, it's a little scary when the one kid says he wants to kill India. I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, I'm not sure that's what we should do, but, you know. We won't take it that far. (laughs) Do you know, do you know the greatness that is Al Gore? Do you know him? You know, you know his deal, right? Yes. Here is something that just got sent to me. You ready? In 1948, you know he's global warming, we're all going to die while he makes oh, yeah. a couple hundred million off of that, right? Okay. Yeah. In 1948, when, when Al Gore was born, uh, the Earth had 130,000 glaciers, all right? 75 years later, only 130,000 glaciers remain. There you go. I can do that math. Yeah, I don't really understand (laughs) climate alarmism. Um, Obviously, the climate ebbs and flows. So obviously, there's, you know, they've changed it now. It's not global warming. Now it's like extreme weather because, you know, the, the the earth warms and cools and changes all the time. So, yeah, climate change, not global warming. Doesn't fit their narrative anymore. Um. Uh, By the way, if I'm voting on the videos, I'm voting on the Angela Davis video. I think that's the (laughs) that's the best video. It was the best video. I I love when she got a taste of her own medicine. So if I'm voting, I'm going to vote on the Pakistani kids just because the whole thing seemed crazy to me, uh, both good and bad. So whose video was that? So that is that a a win for Ryan? I think that's Ryan's Ryan's baby. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ryan on the board. There it is. All right. Last, last thing. Morgan, is it Morgan Wallen did a free concert in the streets? No. Let me ask you a question. The concert's tonight. But he offered. Where's it at? He put on his his Instagram story. um, Everyone come to Bridgestone Arena. It's going to be a free concert. Friday night, but you had to wait in line to get your free tickets. First come, first serve. So people were standing online for hours, and there was a line wrapped around Bridgestone Stadium or Arena three times. Three times. That's insane. I know. No, uh, John Mellencamp lived in Bloomington, and once in a while he would show up at the Bluebird, 
and just play. One time, I believe he brought Springsteen. If I always said this, if, if there's, there's one thing, well, there's a lot of things, but one of the things that I've always wanted to do was walk into a bar looking like this, sit down and play the piano. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I always said I would do is if I were a singer, if I were a artist, I would always surprise people in small venues. I think that yes. would be freaking awesome. That, right? Yeah, and it's not too late for you to kickstart your music career. <laughs> I think it is. Hey, uh, <laughs> last, last thing, because you are hip uh, and you make me cooler by talking to you. Alex Murdaugh just got sentenced to life in prison for killing his wife and his son. Yeah. There you go. You follow? Yeah, it's a yeah. time. You following that act? Yeah, I watched the Netflix yeah. documentary, and the whole time I was just confused because they were saying Alec Murdoch, but it's spelled Alex Murdaugh. I was just like, are we talking about the same person? I was very confused. But the documentary was great. And I'm glad that justice has been served because the whole family sketchy. The guy's sketchy. The son Man. was sketchy. You know, Haley, I thought the whole family had punchable faces. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Really fun. Bye, Dan. Look, you know, Haley is... Well, she makes everybody cooler. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Dylan and Ryan are cool. I am a dork. Uh, Chuck is cool. Aaron and Gary are cool. But, okay, well, maybe based on what I just said, she makes me cooler. Speaking of cool, I mean, let's be honest. Mike Bray might be the coolest man. We call him the most normal basketball coach in America. That's what we call him. Because he is not an incorporation. Like... You know, when you get a level of success, a lot of guys become like ink. You know, like MikeShashevsky.com, that kind of wacko stuff. No, that's not what we're looking at. So the bottom line is this. Mike Bray is going to join us coming up at 1030. And I'm very, very, very much looking, uh, excuse me, forward to it. All right, let's get into just a couple of things. The Alex Murdoch trial. If you haven't seen the documentary, it is on Netflix. It's about a very powerful family in a mid-sized town in North Carolina, or South Carolina, excuse me. Power ran deep. Power ran to great-grandfather, grandfather, dad, kids. I mean, and they allowed everybody, including their sons, to get away with whatever it is that they wanted to get away with. Well, long story short, it involved murder. It involved the murder of a gay a classmate of one of, or both of their kids. It involved the death caused by their son, Paul, who was hammered driving a boat. There are very, very, very few likable people in this documentary. Like the kids that were just absolutely crushed by the death of their friend uh, have some culpability. At some point, you got to tackle a little D-bag. That's the father and not let him drive the boat when he's four times the legal limit. That guy there, uh, Alex Murdaugh, just got sentenced to life in prison for the double murder, one of his wife and one of his son at their family estate. Their son was the one that, in fact, had been responsible for a boating accident that took the life of what seemed like a wonderful young lady. So this powerful family, 
decided they're above the law in their town. They controlled the judges. They controlled the police. They controlled everything. Well, as oft time happens, power corrupts. So what happened? This guy decided, well, murder is in play here. Well, there was a video or some kind of audio, some kind of tape on his phone, which ultimately got this guy convicted of the murder of his wife and his son. Give it a watch. I think you'll like it. I, I, think, you'll, I, I think you'll find it fascinating. It, it, it is just kind of, sort of, just fascinating. I don't know how else to say it. You want to punch this guy in the face. You want to punch the son in the face. You want to punch the other son in the face. You don't want to punch the mom in the face because I'm not about punching. That's where they live, right? I'm not about punching women. But I got to tell you, she seemed awful too. The whole family, great-grandpa, grand, whatever, they all seemed awful, manipulative, power-hungry. My wife's father... The great Don Ross said, Mo money, mo problems. And I am not sure that Don Ross is wrong about that. I'm not sure. I think he might be absolutely, positively right about that. Don't you? Mo money, mo problems. Man, there ain't a damn thing wrong with that. So, anyway, that's the Murdoch case update. All right, now, NBA. Actually, the NBA last night was a little interesting. Kyrie and Luka combined for 82 points. That's pretty good. Luka is hitting step backs. But I ask this question. Other than Steph Curry, I'm going to ask this every day unless somebody can give me an answer. I'm going to ask this every day. Let me ask you a question. Steph Curry, I think, is very likable. LeBron James, I have a ton of respect for. But is there anyone that's a star in the NBA that is likable? Now, I understand likability in the NBA is really divided along racial lines, right? I get that. And I get as an old white guy, I'm not the right guy. But I've always, always, always been a part of... um, I don't know, been a part of kind of the, the what's the right word? Um, always been a part of like what I think kind of people think, black and white. I'm watching Kyrie Irving. He's got shades on in his uh, press conference. I don't know. I don't know. If I had that kind of money and I had that kind of stardom, I'm sure I'd be a jag too. But it's just, it just seems to me that none of these guys in the NBA – are like likable. We got yesterday Iguodala comparing Steph Curry to Jesus. I'm not mad at you. I understand. You got to do your thing. We all get it. But seriously, Jesus? I don't know. We got a Twitter poll up. We got a Twitter poll up. So get to our YouTube chat and let's go. Uh, Cashman wants to know a very important question. Did John Morant or his crew or his posse pull a gun on anybody? Dave Rhodes, I I don't talk about the NBA. I talk about the outside of the NBA. So did John Morant pull his gun on anybody 
last week, last day, yesterday, last hour, last minute. I'm not sure he did. I'm not sure he didn't. But I will keep you freaking posted. Uh, A lot of people saying Steph Curry went full woke. Well, let's be honest. The deal with his neighbors when he's rich and he doesn't want the peasants living there, that was disconcerting. I'll give that to you. That was disconcerting. And I'm not happy about that. Who is the most likable NBA star then? Who is the NBA's most likable player? I'm going to say Steph Curry. I'm going to say, I'm talking about likable. I'm not saying best. I'm saying likable. Who is the NBA's most likable player? It ain't Draymond Green. It is not Draymond Green. It is not. It may be Klay Thompson. What does he do? He just makes all his shots. It could be Luka Doncic, although if I said that, I'd be accused of racism. I don't think it's Joel Embiid. I don't think it's Kyrie Irving. I don't think it's James Harden. I don't think maybe it's Jason Tatum. He's a nice kid, seems like. I think Giannis is a really nice guy. I like Giannis. I'm a big Giannis fan. Giannis, to me, is the kind of guy that when he said, and he was spoofing, you know, to Kevin Durant, hey, look, work out with me. I'll teach you how to carry a team. I kind of dug that. I did. By the way, Harvard's down three to two. My stepdaughter got hit by a pitch. Anyway, Giannis is in there. I'll give you Giannis. We all know the deal. You can't say people are unlike. LeBron should be. But LeBron's been too phony for us. Like, how do you not like LeBron? Seriously. He's married with kids, although that's, you know, that just depends on what city he's in. Don't at me either, people, because I got pictures. Anyway, I do. Well, I don't have pictures. I know who the girl, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he should be likable. He's and he is in OG category where we should be like, you know what? I kind of like, but he's done all this stupid stuff. He's faked racism on his house. He walked out with a purse one time. He's just exhausting. He's kind of exhausting. But I'll tell you this, the dude is smart. And I always go back to this. I took a trip. CAA, the agent group, was courting me when I went and did the UCLA-Michigan game. The head of Universal Studios gave my wife, myself, and Bart Fox a private tour. Showed us LeBron James's office, which is basically uh, an office building, but the front is like a movie set of downtown. They use it all the time uh, for shows and movies. And the guy says to me, he goes, look, Dan, I got to tell you, man, LeBron James, when he brings us, his team brings us a project, it's always really well done. It's very well organized. He goes, Magic Johnson tries to bring us stuff, and it's idiotic. It's ridiculous. I, I can see that. So LeBron James is very smart. I'm not saying he's the most likable. I'm not saying he's the least likable. I'm saying he should be the most likable guy in the NBA. I'll tell you who's likable. Our guy, Mike Bray, coming up next. The head coach of Notre Dame basketball for at least another few weeks. And then we'll see what Mike is going to do. I can't wait to talk to the coach, Mike Bray, next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, I'm telling you, it's my favorite coach interview. We had a lot of coaches on this show, but Izzo and Bray are my two favorites. <laughs> Bayheim's up there, too, because, hey, man, Bayheim's right there, because you know Bayheim. He, who knows what the hell he's going to say, right, Mike? He's going to give you raw stuff that is then going to go viral. So, so yes, Bayheim's, right. all you got to do is you just set him up a little bit, poke at him a little bit, and then he goes and runs with it. It's fabulous. <laughs> it is. It is. Hey, congrats last uh, two nights ago. What a, man, I, I told you off air, I'm watching the game. I look at my wife. I go, you know what? We always talk about it. There are just some games that you're meant to win, baby. And Pittsburgh, good team, but not that night. They weren't they weren't handling you that night, Coach. Well, we certainly needed one, Danny. We we've struggled, and I've had all <laughs> yeah. these seniors, and 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 you know, it's like, come on, man, the basketball gods, please. I'm all, I'm not asking for much, and you've given me a lot, but I need this one, damn it. I need this one, and then I'll never ask again the rest of my coaching career, and maybe I'll never coach again, but. Uh, had 40 of our former players back then. It was awesome. Pitt's really good. And, and uh, you know, we actually defended well. And there was a great buzz in the building. And everybody kind of knew, you know, it was a special night. And, you know, I'm glad we could make it special and play well. Uh, and then, you know, we eliminated all curfew rules after the game. And I'm still feeling it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you eliminated the curfew for the freaking coach. I said earlier, I've ripped J-Mo shots in the linebacker with a couple of my friends, a couple Notre Dame football players back in the mid to late 80s, early 90s. Raise your hand if you haven't ripped J-Mo shots in the linebacker. But that was your first time there, right? Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I never got there early. And even though they say there's great burgers early in my career here, 23 years, certainly a football weekend night probably wouldn't be a, a, a crowd for me to be in if I wanted to keep my job here at Notre Dame. So I right. stayed away from that, but I, I, I started running my mouth about it. And then I had to back it up. I started running my mouth about, we're going to the backer. There's no last call. We're closing it down. Like I walk in there. It's like, uh Oh, I'm in now, buddy. I'm in the swamp. And, uh, but you know, what was awesome. I, I tell you what, I, I think our whole senior class was there. The word got out. Half the town was there. Um, they made a lot of money off my pub uh, uh, on Wednesday night. But, you know, it was fun. My AD came by. Governor Christie was there. My His daughter is my manager. Kevin Plank was there. And then I circled back to the Morris Inn because my former players were hiding over there. It was a little more quiet. And we made that a very late night. And you know what it's like when you're with your teammates and your former coaches. The stories that come out, we were laughing till 2 a.m. It was just amazing. Mike, when you when you walk in there, like you walk in and there are I'm nowhere near at your level, but every time I go out, I basically act as if I'm being filmed the whole time, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. like, all right, I'm gonna have a beer, uh, you know, whatever. Did you just was it nice to just let your guard down? I, I was like, you know what? Put a drink in my hand. I know someone's gonna buy me a shot. Do not 
be uh, don't be a wimp about this. Take it like a man. And all, all the stuff, all the I ran my mouth after the Rutgers game last year about Irish whiskey. So more people send me Irish whiskey since the game at the end of the game last year, the interview. So I said, you know what? You do you, you take it like a man and you hang out. And again, it was a lot of our students who and grad students and I've had you know kids coming up to me. I was in your camp when I was 10 years old showing me pictures. It it, it was it was unbelievable. It was really cool. And uh, for one last night, that was a good way to have fun. Mike, that was a great way to have fun. And that's that, congrats on that, because a lot of guys don't go out that way, obviously. And you got to, and that's a lifetime of experiences in one night. Mike, I got to ask you, what, what made you decide to step down as a Notre Dame coach in your 23rd year? Well, there's no question that, you know, we, we were struggling. We we're really searching. And, and I even sensed that at Christmas, you know, maybe it's just time for a new voice. I actually thought about it, Danny, on the on the plane back uh, from San Diego after our two NSA tournament wins. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we won two NSA tournament games, you know. It was just right. last March right. and had a fabulous run. But I'm looking and I'm going, you know, I, I just think, it's time for somebody new, and I think I'd like to do something new, whatever that is. It was kind of mutual, and talked to my AD a little bit about it at Christmas, and then in January, I said, you know what, Let, let's let's make the decision, and you can get out in front of a successor thing. I'm helping with the process and want to help as much possible, recruit the next coach here, and then you know, we'll figure out what I'm going to do, but uh, like you mentioned, you got out of coaching in another world opened up to you. I have grandchildren in Florida and I had my team over at Christmas. It hit me this. I had my team over at Christmas because we kept them because uh, our games were so jammed up and it was awesome and it was great. Then my son sent me pictures of my grandchildren on Christmas day and I'm going, you know what? I think it's time for me to be there more. <laughs> and and um, yeah. so kind of a, you know, a perfect storm of it's time, man. And the place has been great to me. 23 years. I've been so lucky. Um, but it's time to get a, a, a new voice in there. So having said that, what were your emotions? What was the last home game day like for you? Because game day sucks. At least it did for me. I don't know about you. But how was the emotions going into your last home game? You're right, though, Danny. What people don't understand outside the business, everything's fine till game day. Game day sucks because now <laughs> yeah. game day sucks because now you're waiting for the verdict and you're waiting to either smile a little bit or be miserable as hell for, you know, the next 24 hours. And, uh, you know, you distract yourself and you compartmentalize yourself. My biggest worry was I hyped it up so much about the backer and my players. I'm going, oh, my God, if we don't play well, if we get beat by three. Right. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, please, I'm begging the basketball gods, please. We got to be competitive tonight. I got everybody in town. My buddies are back. I mean, they're pumping it up. Now it's like, now we got to deliver. Oh, my God. And what was neat is we, we did deliver, and then you just are relieved. And you're like, let me get uh, to the backer, and I need a cocktail. 
Oh, man. You know, Mike, I, you said this off air, and I'm not buying it. You said that you were going to – you asked God, give me this one, and I won't ask again. That's total crap. <laughs> if you go back into coaching again, you'll be asking for one oh, again. I remember making a deal with <laughs> – Mike, I made a deal with God on the bench when I was the interim coach in Indiana. We hadn't practiced. We're playing Northwestern. We're, we're up one. They got the ball with 12 seconds. I said, God, I swear to God, I will never swear again if you just give me this one. My first words in the locker room were, F yes! You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know. you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, we make deals. We make deals. Yes, we do to get over the <laughs> yeah. hump. It's, a, it's an amazing way to live. Oh, my God, it beats a real job. But it's, uh, it, it's an amazing way to live day to day. I, I am, I am kind of looking to kind of – down shift a little bit here in a couple of weeks and, 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 you know, figure out what I want to do. As I said, I have, I'm excited about moving back to my hometown and kind of using that as home base and maybe do some TV. I still want, you know, they, they would still love me to be an ambassador here for the university and I would be honored to do that. Now I told them the other day, I said, you mean I can come back on football weekends and tailgate now and not recruit. You better watch out, brother. I'll be all through the parking lot. Be on scholarship in that parking lot. <laughs> oh, Mike, you'll be on full ride nil. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, you, I, I, I suggest a little bit of bread or something to soak it all in. But <laughs> yes. hey, I'm telling you, Mike, I, I'm glad to hear you talk about TV because I got to imagine. All right, let me back up. You did say um, I don't know a few weeks ago that you may not be done coaching. What does that mean? Well, you know, when we did the release, you know, a month ago, six weeks ago, you know, it didn't say really anything in there about retiring from coaching. And of course, everybody just said, hey, congrats on your retirement. And that's awesome. And right. But, but I'm, you know, even my AD and I, he said, you know, you're going to coach again, I think, Mike. I said, you know, I, it's hard for me to see that now, but you're probably right. And I don't know. I mean, my God, I don't need to be a power five guy. I, I, I may. Hey, I may end up coaching a little division three somewhere who, you know, I just like being in the gym. You and I are the same, Danny. We're the same background. I like being in the gym, working with kids, being around young people, trying to help them, man. It keeps you alive, keeps your heart beating and, and something like that. So, you know, I, I'd like to take a deep breath and see, see what's going on. I mean, you may end up coaching next season. I, I understand that. Um, and, and I guess you got to be ready and be mainly ready to address some of those things in the next month. You are, in, you are entrenched enough. Please, uh, most coaches, I call it the fired coaches tour. You get fired, then you go watch other programs, you yeah. know, and I never made that tour because I, I was embarrassed, truthfully. You know, I, I was embarrassed, like, and I don't want to go sit there. Um, but I tell you this, this is interesting. You know, one thing I did learn about being out of coaching is I think if I went back into coaching, even after, you know, I've been out too long now, but even after a year or two, I think I'd be a hundred times better. You know, you step away, you look at things, oh, yeah. maybe, you know, you just get it right. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're exactly right. You, you get away a little bit you take a deep breath and, and, um, you know, you watch some practices, you know, you know, Maybe end up with Quinn Snyder in Atlanta and go down there and help him with the Hawks. Or do you do something with the Wizards? You know, Beeline's role is pretty good. What does Beeline do, man? He comes out and and what does he do? Run the knockout drill every day with the Pistons or something? And he's hanging out. I like him. I want to talk to him about his role with the NBA. 
So, you know, but being around it and, 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 you know what, I'd love to hear it from somebody else, you know, listen a little bit when you're the leader, as you know, Danny, you're always kind of doing the talking and it's your thoughts. I'd like to shut up and, and listen to some other leaders in basketball, talk about stuff and, and learn some things. Uh, you're a natural for TV. I'm telling you, Mike, I, there, I never knew what Thanksgiving was. When I was coaching, I had no idea. First yep. year out, I'm at my sister-in-law's house. We're eating. We're drinking at like 10 a.m. Shot with my dad. Games are on. We got on a betting site. It was unbelievable. I, I like, wait a second. This is how normal people live? It is. I'm telling you, with your personality, TV's perfect. But the lifestyle you're going to lead is awesome. I can't wait well, to hear I, you I, talk about it in a year. I appreciate that. And, and it's funny you say that about Thanksgiving. I'll tell you where it really started to strike me about it's time to change gears. I'm, I do Thanksgiving Day in the Long Island Marriott, and we play Bonaventure the next day. And we're in the Long Island Marriott. I, I don't, you know, my kids and my grandkids are all with there, and I'm sitting there by myself, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And then the next year, the next day, St. Bonaventure on Black Friday pounds us. And I get on the plane and go, yeah, th th this is just about over. That that's enough. <laughs> that's that's a sign from God. <laughs> that is no, it Mike. Is, that, that, that is the sign. That's the sign. You know, you, you if somebody would ask you maybe ten years ago and you'd have been whatever, like, you'd have been like, you would have had a totally different perspective on it. But when it hits you, yeah. it hits you. It hits you. It hits you, and you you went through it, and and uh, you know I have, and and I you know great group of kids here. We're gonna finish it up and go to Greensboro. We got to go to Clemson for tomorrow, then we're gonna bus right up to Greensboro, and you know I got you know in the midst of a tough year, six of these guys are getting master's degrees, and that will make Danny when these six guys leave, that'll be seventy five guys that have come through under my watch, and it's like as you know they're like your sons. And, you know, they're, they, it's just, you're just so proud of them and they need you. They call you, you know, at any given week, three of them are in crisis and they need to talk. And that's your role the rest of your life. That's your role. And I love it. What was the reaction of the players when uh, I'm guessing, you know, you, you sat down, talked to them, mm -hmm. explained what, what was their reaction? Yeah, I think they were a little bit surprised, the younger ones. The older guys, I, I actually said a couple times this summer, and it may have been me, you know, thinking and, and my mind being, you know, being vocal with them. I had my six seniors out, and I twice with them I said, you know, fellas, maybe we just all go out together. And I was kind of talking to myself, and they were like, oh, yeah, coach. You know, so the, the seniors, the six seniors are like, all right, coach, you talked about that this summer. Let's roll. Now, the younger guys, I've had to help them a little bit. Like, look, finish the job. This is still going to be a great place for you. You know, I, I want kids to stay. You got to don't knee jerk with this portal thing. Don't knee jerk. Let meet the new guy. I promise you we're going to get a great coach in here. And just don't don't knee jerk. And I, I'll give our young guys credit. They, they've been great. The parents have been great. Let's finish. You're getting another semester academically at Notre Dame. Don't screw that up. Finish academically and then meet the new guys, sit down with them and see what you feel. And if, if it's not the right fit, there's always that thing called the portal. <laughs>
Right. <laughs> Which apparently is very popular. It's very popular. <laughs> we, you know, we signed your, three kids. We, we signed three kids, two of them. The local guard here will stay at, with Notre Dame at Penn High School, uh, uh, Marcus Burton, who's having a great year. And he's going to come no matter what, which is great. Uh, Brady Dunlop out in Los Angeles is is really wants to kind of evaluate who the coach is, and he would be good. Um, one young man, that young man we lost was Parker, Parker Fredrickson, ended up committing to Wake, which you got to do what you got to do. Business is business. I get that. Um, you know, and, and again, we've been good with grad transfers, you know, that, you know, Paul Atkinson last year, Marcus Hammond this year has helped us. And, you know, that's going to be the way of the world with, with whomever gets the job. What was your dream job? What's your dream job? I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about overall. No, no. You know, I think growing up always a Maryland basketball fan, Growing up there, left Future Zales basketball camp, high school coach in Maryland, you'd always sit there and go, man. And I and I spent a lot of time in Cole Fieldhouse, which was Maryland's original arena. You always would sit there, especially as a high school coach with Coach Wooten, man, what it would be like to coach at Maryland. And and you know, actually had some opportunities. But you know, once you got here, it this became the dream job because it was such a good fit for me. And, and the mission of the university, the kind of kids we got, we were winning enough where, you know, I've lasted, this is six football coaches now. So I've been around a while. This is number six and Marcus Freeman. And, um, and I've had great support. Uh, and then, and then we went to the ACC, which was kind of cool because it was a league I grew up around. I do miss the big East, Danny, the, the big East was awesome for us and the, the garden. I, I do miss that. Um, but, but, you know, growing up a Maryland basketball fan, I think every high school coach in Maryland goes, I want to be that guy. Just like every Indiana high school coach wants to coach in assembly hall. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, will you have odd question, but going back to DC, my brain immediately went to, you ever have any interest in politics? You know, it's funny when I was in Delaware, they used to tease me about, why don't you come back to Delaware and run for governor? Why don't you come back? And, you know, they would kid me. So I've said that a little bit. You know, it's interesting. It's intriguing to me because I'm great friends with Chris Christie. He was a Delaware grad who helped me with my program. His daughters are, have been my manager. He was here the other night. And uh, so we were out at the bar hanging out. And I'm saying, president, chief of staff. And, and you know, and, and I'll be his chief of staff. But uh, it is an intri- it's an intriguing world. There's no question about it. And uh, if you're living in Washington D.C., maybe may- maybe you get more involved. I don't know. <laughs> Mike, I I got to tell you, I did one of your games. I think it was against Duke. Got a chance to meet Governor Christie, and I don't care what's written about him. That guy's a blast. That guy's a great dude. He 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 really is awesome, and I. I believe he's going to run again. We were talking the other night about it. He's going to make a run at it. He he would be so refreshing. He is who he is. He's a real dude, and um, he's bright as heck, and he's been such a good friend, and um, I, I've loved uh, having him as somebody to talk to through it all. Hey, last, last thing. Uh, I want to go back to your former players. You know, 23 years. Now these guys got kids coming up and, and the whole deal. 
Isn't it cool, though, that they always just call you coach? Like, you it, know what I mean? It's just kind of cool. It, it, Danny, it really is. And, and it's, <clears throat> you know, it's so respectful still to this day. Guys are 52 years old in there that I coached, and they're in there. And, hey, coach, I want to introduce you to my wife and my children. And none of them yeah. called me Mike. Nobody called me Mike the other night. They all called me coach. And it, it does make you feel good. And then when you see the demeanor of the young uh, of them and and that they, you, you know, we talk about pressure in our profession and, yeah, we got to win enough. But I've always felt the pressure. God, I want them to have a good experience. I want them to have a good experience. So when they look back or they come back and and I, I, we're certainly never undefeated in that area. But I, I feel like most of the guys that have come through here look back and go, coach, man, that was, and you helped me be a man. And I didn't understand it at the time, but when you challenged me and when you talked to me about that, I look back now and I got a lot of emails about that the last month. And that is the most powerful thing of it all, that as a teacher and a leader, you help them become a man a little bit and grow up. I hope it's a great run here. I wish one of your typical Notre Dame, let's go, run through the tournament. You know, I, I, I root like hell for you, man. I, congratulations on an awesome, awesome, awesome career. You were lucky to be at Notre Dame, <clears throat> but I would argue Notre Dame was lucky to have you, man. And uh, thanks for well, always being great to our show. I appreciate you, Danny. You know I love you, and, and uh, I think I'm going to have some more time to be on, your, on with you. So, man, we'll have fun yeah. next year. <laughs> let's go. Keep doing your thing, A my year man. From we'll now. We'll take care, buddy. Thank, thanks. Thanks, Coach. Uh, Coach Mike Bray, man. Uh, what a great deal for him, and what a great deal for Notre Dame. Uh, he left. He had a great night. They won the game. You have no idea how much that means to coaches. Your last game, my last game at Bowling Green, we won. I don't know how the hell we won it, but we won. And as a coach, you're always making deals with God. God, I promise you I won't. God, I'll never. God, give me this one and all. It's unbelievable. All right. Uh, we got Woken Dope to get to. Who's hanging out here? Uh, who are we going to uh, make fun of? Who are we going to – wait, uh-oh. All right. I agree with all of it. Yeah, I do. University of Baltimore County, I guess, uh, claims not wearing a mask is racist, ableist, classist, let's put it misogynist, I agree with all of it. I do. I mean, let's just be honest. If you don't wear a mask, you're, you're name an ist. Just give me an ist, and I'll say yes. It's yes. Ableist, yeah. Misogynist, sure. Racist, yes. Homophobic, it is everything. You know what? Everything is that. Hey, look, what a fantastic week that we have. Before we go, though, Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to give you one. Now, if you don't like it, don't use it. But I am, ladies and gentlemen, going to give you a little bit of a bet that I am going to do today. You may not like it, but that's on you. I am going to get early, early, because I want to bet an early game. UNC Asheville is taking on Charleston Southern. All right? So. I am going to combine that game with the over 134 and a half in the Bradley Northern Iowa game. 
that parlay will pay me plus money. That parlay will pay me plus 130, which means if I bet $100, I'm going to get 230 back. I like dealing in plus money. And frankly, I'm going to watch both of these games because it is literally pouring buckets here in the great city of Indianapolis. And when I say buckets, I mean buckets. It is pouring. So I'm going to watch UNC Asheville on my ESPN app, and then I'm going to watch on the Bally's Network, uh, Northern Iowa and Bradley. I'm going to take those two. So that is it. UNC Asheville is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. I'm going to take them on the money line, which is minus 490, and then I'm going to take the over 134, uh, and I'm not really sure why. I watched Northern Iowa yesterday, and, man, they run the ball. They move it. They shake it. They get shots up. They can play. And Bradley's the conference champ, and uh, Brian Wardle is the coach of the year, and his team likes to get it going and likes to get it going up and down. So there you go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you know I appreciate everybody, and I do mean this. I can't tell you how much I appreciate everybody that's there every stinking day on our YouTube chat. Dave Renard, Dave Rhodes, Jennifer, have a great IU weekend, by the way, Jennifer. John Buzzer, John Dasman, JPG, Kevin Wolf, Outkick Lick, Ruel Miller, Rick Bungle, uh, Rudy the Boxer, Spice Rack, Senator BS. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and the thousands of people across the country that watch our Outkick show on YouTube. Go to at the Cashman Wins if you want to learn about gambling, if you want tips, my friend Alan Cashman, thecashmanwins.com. They will help you out. Indiana State, Belmont this afternoon is going to be a good one. I totally, completely agree with you. All right, I got to go to the bathroom. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Haley. She was awesome. Mike Bray, tremendous, absolutely uh, tremendous. I forget John, John Hendricks joined us. What a great week. Next week will be even better. Urban Meyer is going to join us at some point next week. And college basketball is rolling. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you all for supporting us.